last weekend. Uh, <laughs> so uh, don't let it get to you. <clears throat> um, may I, uh, I don't know how to, just applaud you. Um, I, I think many of you might recall that we uh, had this night uh, at the Memphis Union Mission last night, and um, um, it was just so wonderfully done. Um, uh, Jimmy Umloff led music, and that was so wonderful. And Clay Yance is really the guy that kind of headed up and organized the whole thing, and he did a bang-up job. And then Jeff preached in, in, a, in a very um, a unique setting uh, under the big top. Uh, and I don't know how many people were there, but they they couldn't have gotten many more under that tent, and it was a huge tent. And so um, it's downtown, right close to the uh, the police station on Poplar, and um, homeless uh, shelter ministry. But there's there's projects, government projects, uh, across the street and down the street. And so it was it was just full. Uh, it was a full night, and you paid for their meal. Uh, and then people from Gracie Van went down and cooked it and uh, served it and cleaned it up. And um, then so many people did the uh, Jeff preach, Jimmy led the music. Uh, so many of you were available to people who made professions of faith afterwards. It was just well, well done. And and I was a, I was just delighted to be a part of it. And uh, you just you did really did a great job. And it does indeed remind you of. Um, of a statement that Paul makes in 1 Corinthians that not many wise and not many mighty and not many noble are called. Um, because those are certainly, that's certainly not the wise and the mighty and the noble end of the social spectrum. And yet God is calling people to himself down there. Um, and, I, and I'll say this too, it made me just pleased as punch to be a pastor of a church where Scott Bjork is a member. Scott Bjork is a square peg in a square hole down there, folks. He is doing one wonderful job. Memphis Union Mission. By the way, um, it's one of what we call the big four. Isn't that right, Jim, this year in um, Grace Venture? Uh, Grace Venture monies, you know, 100% of them go to these, uh, all these requests, but they identify four ones that we're going to concentrate on in an annual basis, and Memphis Union Mission is one of them this year. Okay. Just wanted to applaud you. It was wonderful. Take your Bibles and uh, open them, uh, reopen them to uh, Romans chapter 8. And let me read to you two verses. You know, I didn't plan it like this um, when we started doing Romans 8 um, back in the fall. But this is a wonderful place to stop. Um, verses 26 and 27. Um, I mean, I'm going to finish it up tomorrow next week, but... And then we'll come back in the fall and resume with the, um, with probably the, the people of God's all-time favorite, uh, Romans 8, 28. Uh, for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God under the call according to his purpose. That's what we'll do when we get back together um, next fall. But tonight we want to look at these this last two verses in kind of a section of Romans 8. Let me read them to you. They're familiar. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, guys, um, this very clearly is a, uh, an introduction 
of um, the whole subject of prayer. Um, These two texts, these two verses bring us face to face with that issue of prayer, which is um, quite an uh, interesting topic among God's people, I think. Uh, We talk about the mystery of prayer, and indeed, there's some parts of it that, um, that are somewhat mysterious, um, I mean, I think, um, I hope these are not new words to you. I, I don't, I hope I'm not insulting your intelligence, but, um, um, the, the big issue of the, the problem with prayer, of course, is that we believe in a God who is omnipotent. Um, you know what that word means. Omni means all and potent means power. Um, we also believe in a God who is omniscient. Um, same prefix, uh, that is, not only is he all-powerful, but he's all-knowing. So if God is that, why pray? If he already knows everything that we're praying, why do we pray? And that's, of course, a part of the great mystery of prayer. But uh, And those are issues that I think the Christian church or the people of God ask a lot about. Oh, all right, I don't understand this. Why He knows everything. Why do I pray? Well, uh, that I hope will entice you to come back next week, because we're going to address those next week. Kind of the, 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 uh, the questions of concerning prayer that seem to trouble us, we'll, um, we'll try to address some of those next week. But tonight, we really need to just look at the text um, and try to ramble through it just a little bit, see if we can get our bearings in the text itself, and then we'll come back and try to treat it somewhat topically next week, the whole subject of prayer Topically, or posing and hopefully answering some of the questions that swirl around this thing called the mystery of prayer. I I can tell you this, guys, just just somewhat as an aside. um, I am, I'm moving there. And I'm not saying I've gone very far and and I'm not saying I've arrived and I'm not saying much at all about my attainment. But I can tell you, um, I am more and more determined to, more, to, to, to pray for you more than preach to you. Because I, I'm convinced that my preaching, um, which I love to do, and I hope it benefits you to some, but ultimately... Um, it's not the thing that's going to increase your appetite for holy things. It might, it might provide a decent context, but it's not going to raise your appetites. What's going to raise your appetites is God the Holy Spirit, and, and He can only be contacted <laughs> via prayer. So, um, I just want you to know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of into this because I'm kind of into this. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of into this text because I'm into this subject. And... Um, Um, the, my experience last night um, underscored the sense of desperation to pray for the accomplishment of great good and amongst us. So, uh, just kind of as a personal note, um, it, Paul begins this section, this little two-verse section, 26 and 27, he begins it by saying likewise, or in some of your copies it would be, he would translate, it is translated in the same way or in the same manner. 
But because of that word, um, it demonstrates that what he is doing is that he's adding something to the argument in which he finds himself. That is, he's, he's, he's adding something to, some, to what he's already been saying. Uh, he's, he's in an argument and he says, likewise, my, the, it, it's just reminding you that he's in the same argument. It's just a different little phase of the argument. He is adding something to what he has been saying previously. He's returning, actually, to the theme of verse 17. Um, it, it was there in verse 17 that Paul digressed into this whole question of suffering. Um, and uh, spends four or five verses on suffering, and, and, uh, and we talked about that for three or four weeks. But it's there where he got off track, because suffering is such a key issue in the life of, of God's people. But now he's returning in verse 26. He's returning to his central theme. And that central theme is the description of the people who have a right to claim verse 1. Verse 1 simply states, I mean, the the classic statement there is, Therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is this um, this, this marvelous promise to a certain group of people. Now, what do those people look like? And then he spends the rest of, at least through verse 27, uh, telling you what those people look like. And we've gone over that, but one of the things that I mean, he just told us is that um, sharing in the sufferings of Christ is one evidence that this verse 1 is true of you. Well, so he's returning to that theme in verse 26. Um, the whole idea of giving God's people a confidence and certainty that there is no condemnation awaiting them. That's a, that's a wonderful posture to have. It's, a wonderful, it's wonderful to be in possession of a confidence that my soul is safe. And being in possession of that is indeed a possibility for God's people. But he just makes sure that he describes God's people for you. And he does that from verses 2 and following. The connecting link between verses 26 and 27 and the main theme is, of course, the great work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, guys, that's, that is what's been his um, kind of the, the line of demarcation. That is, the, he, he's comparing the spiritual man with the natural man. And the spiritual man has every right to believe and have confidence that all is well with his soul. And that's what he's been doing for for 26 verses. Um, And it's it's the life of the Spirit. It's the ones who have experienced and tasted and demonstrate the life of the Spirit that have absolute possession of verse 1, that confidence that you're safe. But, of course, the link in all this, the common theme, the common strand through all of this is the work of the Holy Spirit, who he has mentioned, by the way. That is, the work of the Holy Spirit, he's mentioned in verse 2, verse 4, verse 10, verse 11, verse 13, verse 14, verse 16, and verse 23. Um, And he mentions it now in verses 26 and 27. He is saying that here is something else that the Holy Spirit does for God's people. Those people who have a right to verse 1, here is something else that the Holy Spirit is doing for them. 
because while you and I are living in a world that is absolutely filled with difficulty, you know, I was, um, where did I see, oh, I, I was on the, I was on the thing, the elliptical, that's where I saw it, and who is the woman? Her first name is Jane. What's her name? Jane Pauley, I think. And Jane Paul, that's not where it was. I think it, I think you were watching it. I saw it with you. Anyway, it's not important. But Jane Pauley had this female doctor on, on, um, and the female doctor was minister, was talking to women about all the different things that, you know, that women face. And, and she was like in her mid forties and she was, she was advising women for things to look at <laughs> uh, concerning the, the their health needs as life unfolds, that was pretty well said. Now wasn't it? <laughs> as as life goes on, um, and she was telling you know this you can expect this in your thirties, and you can expect this in your forties, and then you expect this yada 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 yada. But uh, uh, she as she was talking, and she was quite articulate and quite helpful. I, I, I guess I mean I'm not a woman. I I, I don't have hot flashes. Um, but I'm very dear and close to one who does. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, Jane Pauley's sitting there and interviewing her and doing a, you know, a very capable and excellent job. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. <laughs> I'm going to get there. Uh, and Jane Pauley makes the comment. She says, um, um, she says something about the uh, name of a doctor, and, and, and Jane Pauley says, well, I wish you could tell me that, doctor, because I've seen every other doctor in New York. And it struck me as, as interesting that here's Jane Pauley at the top of, you know, a, a, a game. I mean, wouldn't some of you like to be on Jane Pauley's stool? And um, she's seen every, I mean, I don't know if she was jesting or not, but it was just a reminder that, yeah, you know, there's, there's difficulty in her life. There's difficulty in all of our lives. It's fraught with difficulty. Everybody's life is fraught with difficulty. And the, the point is, while we're living out a life that's fraught with difficulty, what could be more important that you and I would know how to stay in touch with God? And that's what this is about. Um, make, making it in, in, in a world that's fraught with difficulty... And um, one of the ways you can make it, one of the ways that is provided for us is that we have a connection with the God who made us. And, of course, that uh, has to do with the whole life of prayer. But even there, we experience problems. (laughs) Even in our prayer life. And that's what the text says. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, in our infirmities. Um, which the, the infirmities themselves aren't sin, but the infirmities or the weaknesses may lead us to sin. Our, our, um, our, our weaknesses aren't confined um, to the physical. They even overtake us in the, in the midst of our trying to stay in connection with God. And I'm telling you, any of you who have prayed five minutes know that. You know that you come face to face with other weaknesses, with other infirmities. And, and our biggest weakness, our biggest infirmity when it comes to prayer is our inability to understand. That's what the text says. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know. 
our biggest struggle in the midst of praying, our, it, the, the biggest thing that we face is our inability, our shortcomings, our limitations to understand. It, it's not that we don't know how to pray. Most people do. If you, if you can go to a doctor and tell them about your aches and pains in your body, you can sure go to a, the, the God of the heavens and the earth and tell them about the aches and the pains of your soul. We know how to do that. But, but frequently we're in situations where we don't know what to pray. We know the how pretty much, but there are things that we don't understand which leads us to the confusion that we don't know what to pray. We're in specific circumstances that we don't know what to pray. And, and you see that in the Bible, guys. You see, for instance, Moses in Deuteronomy 3, um, he's, he's pleading with God um, because he wants to go in the promised land with God's people. And you know what God says in that passage? I don't want to hear any more about this. That's enough. The answer's no. But there's Moses, you know. Well, can I go can I over there with them? I mean, I really would like to go over there with God. says, that's enough of that. Go look at the text. It's um, 23 through 26, Deuteronomy 3. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says, I got this thorn in the flesh, and I really would like for you to get rid of it. And God says, no, no, no. I don't want it. I, I'm not, I don't have any intention of taking it away. But there, you know, another time in Philippians 1, Paul says, um, I don't know what to pray. I don't know whether I should pray that I die. I don't know that I should pray that I didn't live. I don't know. I don't know how to pray. You know, the, the, of course, the, the closest thing that I could think of it, um, and, and I hope this is not taking advantage, and I, I certainly am not trying to, but anybody here know how to pray for the Browns? I'm not sure I do. Maybe you could, but. We know that something is wrong, but we don't know how to analyze it. We don't know how to explain it. We, we don't know how to ask God to do something about it. And um, I find myself in circumstances that I don't even know how to pray. It's not, again, it's not the how. I don't know what to pray. I mean, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our way, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. We don't want to pray. I mean, I, 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 there's numerous situations that I, I think we all get ourselves into, but um, certainly, uh, well, that's enough. So in the midst of um, coming face-to-face with my own infirmity, what happens? Well, the second text says, uh, For we do not know that we should pray for as we ought, but... You know, it was uh, Spurgeon who said that there's great theology in conjunctions. Um, we don't know how to pray, but what happens? The Spirit Himself. The Spirit Himself helps. Now, guys, I want to spend, because really that is a marvelous thing. Here we are, just, uh, I don't know what to do. And the text says, the Spirit of God No, the Spirit Himself helps. The word helps is a very interesting word. Um, um, There it is. That's the word that's translated helps. The the reason that it's interesting is because it... um, I think Paul made it up. 
I'm not sure of that. But this is a, um, this is a prefix. Soon. It means with. Here's another prefix. Anti. Which means against. A-N-S-T. Uh, and then this word lombano, which means to carry or take. Um, it seems like Paul has just, he comes up with this, this, this image. Um, and, and so he crammed some words together to try and communicate what it is. Um, uh, if, if, I could, if I could give you the word literally, uh, with or together against take. Uh, the, the, the idea is or um, to take together against. <laughs> um, to take hold of something with somebody else. And, and that's the best thing that I could come up with. You, you, you take the, the image. The image is that there's this big thing that you've got to pick up. And, and, and you, you pick up one end of it. And then somebody else comes along with you and takes a hold of it to pick it up with you. You know, I haven't told you this story, but um, th- this is the thing that came to mind. Maybe I shouldn't tell this story, but it was back on December the 23rd of this past year. Um, you may remember that we got that ice storm in here. And um, we canceled the Christmas Eve service. Remember that? Um, that was really a disappointment for me, at least. And but um, there was ice everywhere, and, you know, uh, so we shut down the church. I, I forget uh, what time we shut down and sent everybody home. And, and um, so it, 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 I think Dale and me and maybe somebody else was here. That was about all that was here. And so I decided, because I didn't want to drive down to the Germantown Community Center and work out, but I always work out, you know. And um, um, so I was just going to go over here and work out in, in our gym. And so I, there's certainly not anybody here to see my girth. Um, so I, I went over there and, you know, worked out some and, um, but anyway, on my way back there, as I was just, I was just driving back there, I noticed there was a Jeep Grand Cherokee out in our baseball fields, mired up to half of the height of his tires. And I got out of my car and I went over there and it's two teenagers one who has a driver's license, the other who didn't. And the one who didn't is driving their car and decided that they wanted to take a little spin around the ice rink, the skating rink that was now our ball fields. And so they're just having a big old time out there, just, and, and uh, you know, they get stuck. And there they are, stuck. Can't deny it. There you are. What are you doing back here? You know, so I get out of my car and I said, what are you doing back here? Well, I just don't wanted to have my little phone with my sister. She's the one that's driving. I said, what? You want to have, do you have any idea of the damage that you've done? Does that make any difference? I was very sweet and calm about this. Uh, um, but, you know, I, I really, I, I never, I never called him a bad name. I never said anything. But, I mean, I was. What, what are you thinking? That you can bring your car out here and just spin around a little bit. So, you know, I said, you know, um, we weren't going anywhere, but uh, I mean, he wasn't going anywhere, I guarantee you. So anyway, I went to the gym and worked out. 
45 minutes to an hour, got finished, and I, and I, got in, I was driving off, and as I was driving out of the, the parking lot, uh, actually, before I was driving, a car pulls up. And um, uh, this lady gets out of the car, and um, she's obviously the mother. And so I decided to stop, and, and I'm, at that point, you know, I was pretty much gathered. I wasn't, I wasn't screaming or nothing. I, I walked out, and I said, um, I, you know, I don't know exactly what I said. Well, I mean, I didn't say, you creeps, look what you did. I didn't, I didn't say anything. I just said, you know, got to, um, I, I just agreed him. She jumped me. Jumped. And um, and I said, well, do you uh, do you have any solution for this? And uh, I mean, I, I I could go on and on forever. I mean, just just absolutely was beyond all imagination. Her children were out in our field in a car stuck, and I was the bad guy. Now, doesn't that make sense? Here's the point. At, at some point in this conversation, after she had said. Well, that's really nice in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Just like that. And I said, Madam, that's blasphemy. And they were, bark, bark, bark. You know, just unbelievable. Anyway, so at some point, right about then, I realized I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble because this woman can say anything she wants to me. I mean, because I have no witnesses. It was, her, it was her son and a friend, her and me. That was it. Now, Dale was up in his car viewing all this, but um, I figured, you know, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm scared to death of women. Scared to death of them. I don't, I don't want to give them an opportunity to say anything. I mean, she could say anything. Anything. He said this about me, and I don't have a tape recorder on me. Anyway, so um, I tell you that whole story to say this. Guess who it was that got the kid out of the ditch? Now, again, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want your applause for all of my great servanthood, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I was still the bad guy. Even, but the point is, here's this kid trying to lift this thing up out of, and he can't do it. So, I get in there, and of course, being the muscular man that I am, I mean, but I guess it just needed a, you know, a, a fat, old, balding preacher to help. But um, with my help, the car comes up and they drive off and, you know, leave a big hole in our ball fields, uh, soccer field, I think. You know, <laughs> I still get upset about that. But the point is, that image of me coming alongside to add assistance is the image of this word. I, I, I come into circumstances where I, where I cannot understand how it is that I'm supposed to... Oh, goodness gracious, what it is that I'm supposed to pray. And the Holy Spirit, sunante lambanatai, he helps. He puts his shoulder next to the problem alongside. And, and I want you to notice, guys, I mean, that's the picture. But I, I want you to notice that it does not say that the Holy Spirit does everything for us. It says he helps. It doesn't uh, set aside any responsibility that I have. It says he helps. And, uh, and the, read on. But the Holy Spirit himself makes... And how does he help? 
he makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And, and that's kind of tricky. That part right down there is kind of tricky. Um, because whose groanings are these? Well, they're certainly not the Holy Spirit's. They're ours. Um, it's not one of the persons of the Trinity that's groaning. It's the groaning is in ourselves. The, the, we might, he might be the author of the groaning, but we're the ones doing the groaning. We're the ones that, that's come to the end of our, our vocabulary. We're the ones that are wordless. We say nothing, but we feel deeply. And the Holy Spirit comes alongside and helps. The reason that I love this image is because it's such a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a piece of condescension. You know what that word means, don't you? God condescends. He stoops low to lift us out of a miry pit that we've drowned ourselves into. So because of our infirmities, because of our weaknesses, circumstances are such that we simply don't know what to pray for. And so the Spirit comes to us in such a situation and, and He comes like, He becomes and begins to tell us what to pray for. Um, it's it's kind of like going to an attorney and saying, listen here, I've been summoned before the judge and I've got to go, but I don't know what to say to him. And so the, the attorney says, well, listen, here's what he's going to ask you. Uh, so you say this. And then he's going to say, ask you this. And so you say this. You'll, he'll present this question and you respond in this way. He, the, the attorney prepares me to stand before the judge and communicate with him. I don't know what to pray. But he knows what to pray. So the business of my lawyer is to put words into to my mouth and to tell me what to say. And that's what the Spirit does with His people. He formulates petitions in the depths of our own groaning. We don't know what to say. He knows. And so He instructs and guides us uh, to pray aright. And um, Paul is saying that any of us who have had a taste of something like that is certainly one born of the Spirit. Again, his, his theme is to, um, is to assure you that you're safe. And so he's giving you an incident out of the life of the believer that if something like this has ever happened to you, it's a piece of assurance for you. The Holy Spirit has come alongside me and assisted me and helped me pray. And notice for whom that is done in verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints. The thing that's being described here, ladies and gentlemen, is something for saints alone. So if you find yourself giving vent to the groanings which you cannot express... It's a proof that you're a saint. Okay. Um, verse 27, I mean, I've really not given this much thought, I mean, before preparation, but uh, I've always seen this, the Son as my interceder. 
You know, you, you see that described in the book of Hebrews so much, that the Son is seated at the right hand of God, interceding. But we're also told here that the Holy Spirit is interceding. We have two intercessors, folks. God the Father and God the Son. And the point that Paul would have you, the, 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 the point not stated in the text, but the point is, this event that you see being described here, if that is something that you can point to as something you've experienced, it's just a, it's a piece of assurance that you're the real thing. Because that's what he would have you know, is that no condemnation awaits you. And if, that's, if, if no condemnation is awaiting you, these are some of the things that the Spirit does, and this is one of them. Next week we'll come back and we'll, we'll try to face some of the, uh, the questions that rattle around uh, in the church of Jesus Christ concerning the issue of prayer. Let's quit. Our Father, I do pray that you will remind us that we are, we are not uh, cut loose to wander about in a world fraught with difficulty on our own. We're not, we're not deserted. You have not saved us and left us but that you have um, taken up residence within the believer's heart in the person and work of the Holy Spirit, and he is accomplishing uh, your will in your people. And so, Father, in the midst of our frustrations and our, um, our discouragements to pray, might this be an encouragement. Might this be a reminder that you have made a way, even in the midst of our infirmity, to stay connected to your people. Thank you for all the provisions that you've made for us in Christ Jesus. We pray, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen. Good night.